0: I love my father. I wouldn't change a thing about my parents. My wife and I give a lot of thought to how we raise our girls. I love you. Hi, Daddy! Hi, sweetheart! Randall is my husband. His vice is his goodness. It's why I love him, but it's also why I have to protect him. Two best things in my life were the person in the very beginning and the person at the very end. My beautiful boy. I love you so much.
1: You are my great love story, and our kids are my everything. You are the world's greatest dad, and you are the love of my life.
2: Right, well, happy Father's Day, everybody. Uh, I'm Pastor Tim. Well, welcome to Liquid Church, especially if you're a guest or a uh, first-time visitor. Um, we got a, a room here and at all of our campuses full of dads and stepdads and granddads. Can we hear for the men here? Happy Father's Day to all you guys. You're awesome. We want to honor you today with week two of our series, This Is Us. Um, today, I want to share a message uh, that I've titled, The Perfect father. And don't worry, okay, if you don't didn't have like a perfect dad growing up or you feel like I do often that you're falling short, okay, the pressure's off. Uh, last week we learned that there's really no such thing as the perfect family, right? We all got a little bit of dysfunction hiding in there somewhere. And just like that today, we're going to learn there's no such thing as a perfect father on earth. Now, it's a different story with your father in heaven, as we're going to see today. But on earth, there's no such thing as a flawless father, you know, who's perfect in every respect. Uh, Personally, I was blessed uh, to have a father who was uh, engaged, affectionate. He came to my baseball games. He often said, uh, you know, I love you, Tim. But even the best men have great flaws. And I know now, as a dad myself, I've got two teenagers in the house, and I often fall short of God's expectations. They often remind me of this. Really helpful. Um, But it's okay, because my Father in Heaven is a generous Father. You have a forgiving Father, and He can make up for our mistakes. Amen? So pressure's off today, men. What we just want to do is just kind of talk openly and honestly about how God can help all of us really become the best version of me that we can be. And that's why I love the show This Is Us. It is a family show about uh, the Pearson family. Um, You may recall Jack and his wife Rebecca, they got three kids, Kate, Kevin, and Randall. But the patriarch of the family is this guy, Jack Pearson, who's a fantastic dad. Uh, He's not just like a good dad, he is a great dad. He's playful, he's always engaged with his kids, not hiding behind the newspaper or his phone. He's strong, he's sensitive, hardworking. He makes these grand romantic gestures to his wife. My colleague's like, why aren't you like that? You know, and... um, (laughs) Viewers love Jack Pearson, and you know, I I think because he reminds us of kind of old-school TV dads, you know, like from the 1960s. If you kind of rewind to the 60s, 70s, if you think of the classic heroes of the home, we had television dads like Ward Cleaver. Anybody remember Leave it to Beaver? Okay, yeah, okay, awesome, right? The father, he, you know, Ward was always, you know, home on time, offered wise advice to his sons Wally and Beaver. Who names their Kid Beaver, by the way? That's, that's a fail. But uh, I remember my generation, I remember watching the Brady Bunch after school. Remember Mike Brady? Now this, Mike Brady's a dad, all right? This guy raised six kids, three of them adopted girls, a wife, a dog, a housekeeper named Alice. Uh, like he ran an architecture firm out of his house, all while rocking groovy pink turtlenecks. Okay, that's, that's a dad there, man. Um, and then who can forget James Avery, the father on Fresh Prince of Bel Air, okay? <laughs> One of TV's great dads, right? He combined heart and humor and an awesome sweater collection, right? Totally on point. Anyway, my point is there was a time when we used to lionize dads, right? We would lift them up as trustworthy and hardworking and dependable providers who always made the right decision or had wisdom to give their kids. But in the 1990s, there was like a kind of like a 180, a U-turn away from great fathers to kind of this inept, bumbling, what I would call like doofus dad stereotype, like Al Bundy. You remember um, that show Married with Children? Don't clap for that. Come on, Bill. Bill's <laughs> like, I love that guy. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's funny is he's still on TV, right? He's on Married, or uh, what was it? What's he on? Modern Family, Right. Uh, with, hold on, get ready for it, Phil Dunphy, uh, right, who's like kind of the Dunstad, <sighs> kind of like stumbles and bumbles, always kind of clueless about life. But for me, um, you know, the most extreme example over the last 30 years of the doofus dad, of course, is Homer Simpson, right? Mmm, donuts, right? Now, Homer is a fountain of parental wisdom, okay? So many classic lines. I remember one episode, he says to his kids, he's like, well you tried your best and failed miserably. The lesson is never try, right? <laughs> now, I thank God most dads are not like that, but I honestly think this is why Jack Pearson has become so endearing. He's not a caricature, uh, you know, he's, he's complex, he's vulnerable, Jack's a great father, he's affectionate with his kids, and, and here's the cool part, he's honest when he falls short with them. I wanna show you a short clip from This Is Us of Jack Pearson's best dad moments. Check this out.
0: You guys ready? Yeah. We watch these every year?
2: Yeah, well, it's my father's day, and I picked a movie, so we're going to start at the
0: beginning. Which one's yours? Oh. Those two. Grads. Twins. Wow. How about you? Wh- which one's yours? None of them, actually. Strangest damn thing. Someone left a newborn at my fire station. I didn't know what to do, so I brought him here.
1: Dad's off. Deep breaths. And? First came? Me. And Dad said? G. And then came? Me. And Mom said? Me. And then came? Me. And we said? that's three. Big three? 3 You're adopted, and we don't talk about that enough. Because to me, you are every part my son. Maybe I, I don't want you to feel like you stand out. But I need you to know something. I want you to stand out. I want all of you to be as different as you can possibly be. In all the
0: best ways. Ah! Jack! (laughs) There's no Jack here, it's Pilgrim Rick! Do you kids know about the next file? Oh? What am I told you a little Thanksgiving
2: story? Kiss no. No, no, no,
0: no! Hey, hey,
1: hey, come here, come here. I'm what? sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, okay? I should have been watching. Okay. Up. And I said I wasn't, I should have been watching you, pal. I'm trying, okay? That, look, I know that I'm bigger than you. I know that I'm an adult. But I, this is this is my first time. Okay? This is my first time too. I got three of you and I'm trying. I'm sorry. I should have been there. And I'm gonna be there. Okay? Okay. Can I have a hug? Can I get a dad I love you?
2: Right? Awesome dad, right? Like, I watch I watched that thing and I'm, I'm often like, man, I wish I was just like Jack, you know, when I hurt my kids' feelings, like I have the perfect thing to say, and they all of a sudden you hear like a Jason Mraz song playing underneath, <laughs> so it like sounds super, you know, powerful. I love it because he's strong, he's engaged, he's wrong when he admits it, he models forgiveness to his kids. I wonder, what was your dad like growing up, you know, active, engaged, or, or maybe a little bit uh, detached, or, or maybe even absent? Maybe you grew up in a home where your father wasn't present, because that's, this is us, right? This is real life. We all have different relationships with our fathers, and every father, including me, is a mix. We're a mixed bag, right? Of strength and weakness, of incredible courage and glaring character flaws. Well, I want to thank you for your help in uh, preparing today's sermon. Last Sunday, I asked you to participate. Give me some content here by taking a live poll on the Liquid Church app. And I asked you a question. I said, hey, which of the following best describes your relationship with your father? We had over 1,500 people reply. So I think this is actually a very good, like, sample size of our church. And I want to share with you the results. We'll start with the good news. Uh, a top result, a full 25% of you said, you know what? My dad and I have a close Relationship, all right. In other words, you had an engaged father, an affectionate father, uh, you know, who, who said, you know, I love you, I'm proud of you, you know, I believe in you. They came to your games. They weren't perfect, you know, all the time and everything, but they spoke courage into you. And and first off, if you again, if you're a dad today, we just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for all. I don't know how you do it, right? All the hours it's kind of investing and in building a close, caring relationship with your kids. You are your words carry great weight and power, and often. Um, are the thing that um, speaks into a child's heart during a moment of of vulnerability. For instance, in the show, I remember when uh, Jack comforts his young daughter, Kate, uh, who struggles with her weight uh, in the show. And she's little, they're at the pool, and she's like, Dad, the kids say I'm fat. Do you you think I'm fat? In parents, you know, right? Like, this is a moment, like, it's going to stick with her for 40 years, right? And you're like, oh, no. (laughs) I feel for Jack. And he just says, Katie, girl i think you are my most favorite looking person in the whole world right and you can just see him apply this bomb to her heart he's got a special heart for his adopted son randall when he tells his dad that hey the kids are picking on me you know because i'm black and my family's white and jack says randall you are every bit my son and i want you to stand out i want you to be different in all the best ways you can be Uh, 25 percent of you said you know what you and your dad have a close relationship you're blessed 19% said, you know, my dad and I, we have a good relationship, but I wouldn't say that we're, you know, very close. We're not tight. Um, In other words, 19% said, basically good, you know, but there's a little bit of distance. Uh, Maybe your dad was often, you know, busy at work or he traveled. Uh, When he was home, maybe it was good. Or or he was there, but, you know, kind of hid behind the, you know, newspaper, he's always on his phone, whatever. Uh, Sometimes divorce can create a little bit of distance. Or, Or maybe like me, your father passed away. 19% 19% of us said, you know what? At this point in my life, my dad is gone. Uh, I, I'm one of them. Uh, my dad died a little over four years ago, left a big hole uh, in my family's life, and I'm sorry for your loss. We're praying for you. I always pray for you on Father's Day because I know it can be hard. Another uh, group, you said, you know what? I've got a, not close, but it's a complex relationship. About 16% said, it's really been a mix of good, not so good, Kind of like Jack and This Is Us, as you saw, he's a reassuring, affectionate father with many great qualities, but guess what? Like all dads, he's got some flaws. In Jack's case, an addiction to alcohol. Um, Jack's father was an alcoholic, and Jack is actually a functional one, and when the pressure's on or gets too much or he feels lonely, he's kind of drawn to the bottle, and it's a family secret. It's like this kind of source of tension with the wife and kids. Now, about 3% of us grew up like randall um who would say you know what i never knew my birth father three percent of us grew up in a home where our father was absent now that's probably underrepresented in this congregation because it's a national trend that is skyrocketing in our culture Uh, more than 20 million children will grow up in a home without the physical presence of a father and the statistics are pretty devastating Uh, 63 percent of youth suicides are from fatherless homes, so that's five times the national average. Uh, 71% of all high school dropouts, 71% of all dropouts are from fatherless homes, that's nine times the average. And 85% of all children um, with behavior disorders are from fatherless homes, that's 20 times the average. Now understand, there's a lot of factors, right, that play into the epidemic of absent fathers, and if you're like a single parent, or you're a single mom, or you were raised without a dad, this this isn't like, oh, this is your destiny, hear me on this. An absent father does not shackle anybody to a lifetime of failure. All we're saying is, hey, it's just a risk factor. In fact, one of the most hopeful storylines of This Is Us is Randall, who was abandoned on the doorstep of a fire station by his birth father. But Randall actually becomes a very successful father. He's got a loving wife. He's raising two little girls. But 36 years later, he still feels like something's missing. He, he, he wonders, what was my birth father like and why would he abandon me? Well, in the opening episode, Randall finally locates his father living alone in the projects. And so he drives downtown to confront the father he never knew. Watch this. <laughs>
0: Up all that banging. I heard you the first time banging on the door. Who the hell is that? my name is Randall Pearson? I'm your biological son. Thirty six years ago, you left me at the front door. But now, hold on. Just let me say this. Thirty six years ago, you left me at the front door of a fire station. I don't worry. I'm not here because I want anything from you. I was raised by two incredible parents. I have a lights out family of my own and. That car you see, parked out in front of your house, cost $143,000 and I bought it for cash. I bought it for cash because I felt like it, and because I can do stuff like that. Yeah. You see, I turned out pretty alright. Which might surprise a lot of folks, considering the fact that 36 years ago my life started with you leaving me on a fire station doorstep with nothing more than a ratty blanket and a crap-filled diaper. I came here today so I could look you in the eye, say that to you, and then get back in my fancy-ass car and finally prove to myself and to you and to my family who loves me that I didn't need a thing from you, even after I knew who you were. You want to come in?
2: Okay. Right? No matter how distant it was, we all need a relationship with our father. there's a lot of us who, you know, on a serious note, carry deep father wounds. You know, 36 years after being abandoned, here's a guy in his 40s. Randall still is dying to meet his father. At first, he's got this tremendous anger, but then he eventually extends an olive branch to his father who actually is dying, takes his dad into his home. And in the show, they actually reconcile in a very, very sweet way for the time that he has left. Almost 10% of us, uh, 9% said, you know what, I actually need to forgive my father. Maybe for being absent. Maybe he was physically present, but he was emotionally absent or or verbally abusive. Hopefully not physically, I pray. About 10% of us, though, would say, you know, we got a fractured relationship with dad that is going to require God's supernatural forgiveness to repair. And I've got hope for you because you're going to hear a story of of just that in this congregation. But another 2% said, you know, I need forgiveness from my father. You know, I did some things that damaged the relationship. I want to encourage you today because, guys, this is possible. You're sitting among people, imperfect families, imperfect parents, but guess what? 70% of you said, with God's help, check this out, I now have a restored relationship with my father. Isn't that encouraging? You're sitting among people who, with God's help, yeah, give them a hand, they have seen God repair and restore their relationship with dad. Praise God, that's awesome. I want to encourage you today, because with Christ, there's always hope. There's always redemption. You always can have a second chance no matter how many mistakes that you and I make, God can redeem them. He can heal the broken and fractured family, but you gotta trust your heavenly father because he's the only perfect father you will ever know on this earth, amen? Well, as I prayed about what you know, Bible passage to preach on Father's Day, God led me to a story about a father named Noah. Now, most of you know who Noah is. Noah is the guy who built the ark you know, his wife was Joan, Joan of Arc, and uh, <laughs> about half of you are like, I-, I'm, I wasn't good in history. I don't, you know. <laughs> Noah is one of the most, you know, famous heroes in the Bible uh, today. His story is told in Genesis, first book of the Bible, if you want to flip there in your Bible or the Liquid Church app. We put always the scripture in there, the fill in the blanks. By the way, I need your help. We also have two more questions this week, next week, talking about relationships, dating, uh, you know, marriage stuff. I need to know uh, in the bonus content, just tell us your relationship status. Single, married, divorced, married again kind of thing. And then what one question do you want answered uh, about relationships, okay? But um, most people have heard how God handpicked Noah. And he said, you know what, I'm going to put you in this kind of great ark. I want you to build this boat before the flood came on the earth. And Noah saved his family as well as pairs of every animal, right? You remember this? So God could kind of reboot his creation after the flood. So catch this. Noah was not just a good man, he wasn't just a great man, he was a godly man. In fact, Genesis 6 describes him this way, look what it says. Noah was a righteous man, the only what, what's the word, church? Blameless person living on the earth at this time. And he walked in close fellowship with God, so he had a close relationship with God. And Noah was a daddy, he was the father of three boys, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So Noah's a father who loves God. He loved his family. At the time, the world's a very dark place. Uh, the Bible says wickedness covered the earth. The inclination of people's hearts was evil all the time. And God the Father was heartbroken. He said, this is not what my dream was for creation. And so God said, I'm going to hit Control-Alt-Delete. I'm going to send a flood to like reboot and wipe out the earth and start over with one man, one family, my man, Noah. And God said, Noah, you found favor in my eyes, build the ark, put your wife and kids in it, because I'm going to save your family and start over with you. And people poked fun at him, but Genesis 7 says this, and Noah did all, everything the Lord commanded, so he was obedient. And sure enough, you guys know what happened. Heaven's open, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, the earth was flooded, the water covered the mountains, it wiped out every living thing. But Noah's family was saved. They what? They floated. Because they were safe in the ark, saved by God and by Noah obeying them. And so after the flood, God says, Noah, you can bring them on out and I'm going to start over with you. And he put a rainbow in the sky. said, this is a sign of my love and my covenant. I'm not going to destroy the earth with the flood again. So understand, when we see Noah, we go, yay, Noah. Noah loved God. Noah obeyed God. He saved his family. In fact, if it wasn't for Noah, you and I wouldn't be here today. But just like Jack and Randall, Noah had his weaknesses. And this story I want to read from Genesis 9 takes place the moment they get out of the ark. Okay? Check this out. Start at verse 18. It says this. The sons of Noah who came out of the boat with their father were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And from those three sons of Noah came all the people who now populate the earth. So every one of us can trace our lineage back to these guys. After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground, because he was a farmer. And he planted a what? Vineyard, because he was Italian. One day, (laughs) he drank some wine that he had made. Now you know he's Sicilian, right? (laughs) Uh, And he became drunk and lay naked inside his tent. Okay, focus Tim. focus. Sorry, focus. It says this. Ham, so the oldest son, the father Canaan, saw that his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers. Then Shem and Japheth took a robe. They kind of held it over their shoulders, backed into the tent to cover their father. As they did this, They looked the other way so they'd not see him naked. Now when Noah woke up from his stupor, he learned what Ham, his youngest son, had done. And then he cursed Canaan, the son of Ham. He said, may Canaan be cursed. May he be the lowest of servants to his relatives. And then Noah said, may the Lord, the God of Shem, be blessed. So some kids get cursed, some get blessed. And may Canaan be a servant. God expand the territory of Japheth. Noah lived another 150 years after the great flood, and he lived 950 years, and then he died, and this is one of those Bible passages, right, that we all just have to say, it makes you go, hmm, right, like, that's a weird story, isn't it, like, why would God put that story in there, right, this happens right after God says, I'm going to save the whole human race, and start over with one man, one father, my man, Noah, who after saving his family, (laughs) proceeds to pass out drunk in front of them, not actually really a laughing matter, right? Any child of an alcoholic will tell you this is very painful. One day, he drank some wine he'd made, become drunk, lay naked inside his tent. We don't know how old his sons are when this, they see their father like this, but it's a devastating thing. Uh, when a son or a daughter walks in to find their father, this is the person who's supposed to be the family protector, the role model, passed out on the couch or the floor in a moment of personal failure. When I talk to friends who have fathers and mothers who have struggled with addiction, they say, it's it's terrifying. And the Bible says, Ham saw that his father was naked. He went outside and and told his brothers. He's like, guys, come come here. Dude, dad's passed passed out. Come here. But then it says, Shem and Japheth took a robe, held it over their shoulders, backed into the tent to cover their father, modesty. And as they did this, they looked the other way so they wouldn't see him naked. Now, this is for modesty. They're trying to show respect to their father even this moment of failure and dysfunction. And I think God put this strange story in Genesis for a reason. And that is to underscore that no matter how ideal your father was or how ideal our families may or may not have been growing up, there is no such thing as a perfect father who nails it 100% of the time. Amen? There's just not. All of us fall short. All of us will have moments of failure. Just like Jack on This Is Us, right? Like I said, Jack's an awesome dad in many ways, but he has an alcohol problem like Noah. He makes some very poor choices that impact his family. So he's a great dad, but he's a flawed one, as am I. As are you, as are you, as are you, as are every man in this room. And this is where the problem is for us spiritually. Because what most people do is they take what their earthly father was like, his attributes, and then say, if that's what a father is and God's my father, I'm going to project them up, and I guess this is what God is like, right? They say, you know what, if, if I'm rejected by my dad, it gets reflected on my God. And see, this is a very dangerous thing because in God's economy, here's what the role of a father is. Your job, dad, is to give your sons and daughters their first glimpse of the heart of their father in heaven. The most fundamental truth of the Bible is this. God is not your judge. God is not your crea- just your creator. God is your perfect father. So even if your birth dad didn't plan you, guess what? God did. He created you on purpose for a purpose. You are perfectly loved by your perfect father in heaven. You are not an accident. Now, what is this father like? Listen to how God describes himself in Exodus 34. He says this. The Lord, the Lord, the what? The compassionate. Let's say the words in yellow. The compassionate and gracious God is easily triggered. No, he is what? Slow to anger. He's abounding, overflowing in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to a thousand generations. Remember last year, last week, it was like, hey, man, they're cursed to the third and fourth. And God's like, I maintain love to thousands of generations and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. So your Father in heaven is perfect, like flawless, perfectly loving, perfectly patient perfectly affectionate where there's mistakes he is perfectly forgiving and just like we sang you are chosen not abandoned amen he is for you not against you he will never fail you you are the apple of his eye and if you let him he will heal the hole in your heart that you've been hoping your whole life would be filled but here's the problem because every earthly father is fundamentally flawed it often warps our view of our heavenly father we can't see straight this is why so many people I talk to, they say, man, I, you know, we sing these words, God's our father, but I, have a hard, I don't feel, I don't I have a hard time. He just seems so distant from me. I remember uh, one of my early father fails that I had as a young dad with my daughter, Chase. She was six or seven years old at the time. And uh, one of her friends gave her a karaoke machine for her birthday. It was this little, like, pink karaoke machine. And, you know, she had, like, CDs with it. Remember back when there were CDs? And, uh, you know, high school music hall, And she'd sing, bopping along in the basement. We're all in this together. It was real cute, you know. And I remember listening upstairs innocently to her sing-along, you know, to the lyrics and stuff. But then she put in a karaoke CD of Avril Lavigne, Okay. And Avril Lavigne, like, it was okay, like, she put it in. And I'm just, like, listening out of the corner of my ear. And, you know, I hear my six-year-old, my little innocent girl, she's like, hey, hey, you, you, I don't like your boyfriend. And I'm like, that's a very positive message, actually. I, I support that. Um, <laughs> and then I hear her say, hey, hey, you, you, what the hell were you thinking? And I was like, gah! It, like, flipped this switch in me. I was like, I don't want my daughter singing this garbage, what are they, they indoctrinating her? And I just remember running down the stairs, I'm, like, skipping stairs, like, two or three at a time. I run in. I was like, put the microphone down. I like popped open the karaoke machine. And I take out the CIA. I go, I go, no! Broke it in half. This is my six-year-old daughter, okay? I just see this. I just see... The chin starts quivering. The lip starts going. I've made, I've made a terrible mistake, right? Totally overreacted. Terribly traumatized my daughter. She's actually not in church today. She's in therapy. And... Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, literally, like, you know, in my, you know, righteous anger, couldn't control my anger, totally overreacted. What's my point? Even when we have good intentions, we blow it, right? I mean, is there any parent here who doesn't have regrets for mistakes they've made with their kids? Now, watch, if you just took, like, that one snapshot of me, <laughs> right? An angry father snapping his daughter's CD in her face, you'd be like, that guy's a rageolic, right? Now, watch. Imagine if my daughter took the next 10 years and and strung together like pearls all these moments of my failure of being easily angered and said, well, if that's what daddy here is like, I guess that's what my father in heaven is like. So she'd read like, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, gracious God, is is he slow to anger? No, he's easily triggered, okay? That's what God must be like. Fathers get angry. Your father in heaven, gets frustrated when you make mistakes, He's disappointed when you do something wrong. We often see the limitations of our earthly fathers and we project up onto our heavenly father. And I think it's one of the devil's greatest strategies. One of the devil's greatest strategies is to keep you living out of that woundedness and those lies and those fears. No wonder some of us have these daddy issues because we look at our human fathers and conclude, well, I guess that's what God is, is sort of like. So if your father was physically present but emotionally detached, God will seem distant Or, well, you know, he's kind of out there. I know he loves me, he's all powerful and everything, but like just toe the line. If you had a perfectionist father, you may think, like, well, God loves me as long as I perform (laughs) for him. If I make a mistake, he may not forgive me because that man has very high standards, he's a very demanding guy. But guess what? That is nothing like the picture that God paints of himself. See, your father in heaven is not simply a little bit better version of the best dad you can conjure in your memory with some warm fuzzy sprinkle it. Guys, he is so much greater. Your heavenly father is crazy about you. He is 100% faithful, abounding, overflowing in love and mercy and compassion, tender affection, forgiving, always wanting you to come home. And guys, this is the number one reason he sent Jesus. You understand this? Jesus came for one reason, to reveal the heart of your father in heaven. Jesus came to this earth to say, give me your glasses. I'm going to wipe off the lenses, correct your vision, so you can clearly see what the Father's heart is like. In John 14, Jesus' disciples ask him, they say, can you tell us what the Father's like? It says this, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, because all the dads in the Old Testament are dysfunctional. We want to see the Father, and then we'll be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Phil? And yet, you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen who? The Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? In other words, Jesus said, the primary purpose of my ministry on earth is to reveal the heart of your perfect Father in heaven, the perfect Father you've always longed and hoped for and wanted, the only Father who can heal and redeem and restore anybody from the failures of an angry Father or absent or passive Father, controlling Father, any other Father fail that you can imagine. Jesus said, listen to these words, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I even speak aren't my own, but it's my Father who lives in me and does his work through me. What's at the center of the universe? There's not a big bang, there's not a chemistry or a mathematical equation. It's a Father and Son in perfect love and harmony with each other. And he said, I want you to be a part of this. In other words, you want to know what your father's like, then look at Jesus. The Son is the spitting image of the Father. Jesus was perfectly compassionate. He was very close to those who were brokenhearted. Jesus was slow to anger, full of mercy, forgiveness, understanding, and yet he had a spine. Jesus was not weak. Jesus was Uh, strong. He stood up against injustice. He called his followers sheep who he held like lambs close to his heart. And wherever there was a failure or a broken relationship, Jesus was like, I am perfectly forgiving. When you fail, I'm the first guy you want to call. In fact, watch this. I'm going to lay down my life to heal that broken relationship with your daddy in heaven. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. You understand what the cross is? When the father's son was nailed to the cross. Jesus' arms were stretched out and nailed to those beams. It was God the Father saying, you want proof of my reckless love? I love you this much. I love you so much it hurts. I'd rather lose my own son than lose you. See, it's the love of Jesus on the cross that reveals the heart of the Father in heaven. And if you let that in your heart, if the Holy Spirit moves it from an idea in your head to a reality in your heart, it changes everything because you stop living out of woundedness and fear and insecurity because you have a new identity. You're you're no longer a sinner, you're a son. It's called child of God. John 1 says, but to all who believed Jesus and accepted him as their savior, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I may not look like it, but I'm a child of God. Go ahead, turn to him right now. I may not look like it, but I'm a child of God. Look back at him and say, I thought that (laughs) about you. I was wondering. See, when you understand that Jesus' life was for you, that he died for a purpose, to restore your connection with God the Father, the Bible says you have a brand new identity. You receive the right to become children of God. You're adopted into God's families. You know what that means? Jesus turned sinners into sons. He turns derelicts into daughters. Think of it this way, and this is us. I mean, Randall could have just been another fatherless statistic, right? But on the day he was born, Jack Pearson said, I choose that one. He's got different blood. He's got a different birth name. But I choose that one to adopt into my family. And Randall takes the Pearson name and he becomes a beloved brother to two other siblings. And because Randall is adopted like you've been, and raised in a loving home with a loving father. He grows up, he becomes a phenomenal dad. He's affectionate and sensitive and caring. He actually breaks the cycle of dysfunction in his family. Spoiler alert, he even forgives his birth father and restores the relationship in the final days of his life. Well listen, just like Randall is adopted into the Pearson family, given a new identity, new name, new future, when you trust in Jesus, you're not just forgiven. You are adopted into the God's family. And this is one of the warmest realities of becoming a Christian because adoption goes beyond being saved. You get a whole new identity. You are a beloved son, beloved treasured daughter of the Most High God. Amen? He gives you a new name. You know, fathers get, kind of get naming rights, at least they did in the Old Testament. I, my parents picked out my full name, Timothy Paul Lucas. I never knew why necessarily, but I remember my dad saying, well, you know, Paul, you might know, it was a pastor. And uh, Timothy was his apprentice. He's a young pastor. So I, I got names of two young pastors. And, and there's something that my dad would always say. He's just like, Tim, God's going to use your life in an amazing way. There's nothing that God can't do. It's not that you can be anything you want, but God can do anything he wants <laughs> through you and in you. So understand there's no greater identity in life that you will receive than your title of child is God. There won't be a moment that you're like in life that you're like, well, I used to be a child of God, but thank goodness now I'm assistant to the assistant regional manager. (laughs) I used to live out of my child of God identity, but now I'm a senior vice president for... Right? Right? even if you're single, you're like, you know, I can't wait for my identity to change. I'm going to, one day I'm going to be, you know, Mrs. Wachowski, you know? No, you may change your name, but your fundamental identity is as a beloved child of God. And you get to call God a new name. You get to call him, watch this, Abba, which means dancing queen. <laughs> or, <laughs> not true. Don't write that down. All right. Listen, this is so important. Listen, Romans 8, listen to Romans 8. Listen, this is so awesome. The spirit you received doesn't make you slaves so that you live in fear and insecurity again and woundedness. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your what? Adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry what? Abba, Father. Abba is not a Swedish supergroup. Abba is an ancient Aramaic term that means daddy. Daddy dad, papa. If you walked around in Jesus's day when he, and Jesus said, I want you to call him Abba, your daddy, people would have been like, what? Because that's what they saw little boys running around Nazareth. They tripped and skinned their knees. They're like, Abba, Abba, papi, daddy. It's a very tender affection. And Jesus said to his followers, now that I've come, here's how I want you to pray. Our father, no, our Abba, my daddy, who's in heaven. And when Jesus said that, it almost caused a riot. Because listen to me, up to that point, nobody in human history, there's no record of any major religion daring to suggest that its followers call God Abba or Daddy or Father. It never happened in Judaism. If you come through the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament, or the rabbinic writings, the Talmud, you will never find one instance of a Jewish person ever addressing God in prayer directly as Abba, their personal Daddy, until Jesus comes. You'll never find it in Hinduism. Despite the fact that there are tens of millions of gods in Hinduism, not one is specifically called father, and never in Islam. Despite the fact that there are 99 noble names for Allah, guess what? Not one mentioned of him as father. In fact, there's a beautiful book written by a Muslim woman who became a Christ follower, and she titled her book, I Dared to Call Him Father. My Miraculous Story of a Muslim Woman's Encounter with God, and she described the revolutionary discovery of being able to have this intimate relationship with a daddy God through faith in Jesus that she could call now Father. And she says her whole life changed when she learned that God wasn't this distant deity with these rules and, and regulations and do's and don'ts. I'm going to smack you. for God. He said, my Abba, my daddy, don't miss the power of this, guys. Jesus' first he was the first religious teacher in human history to ever address God as fathers and then tell his fathers, I want you to do the same. It's 175 times in the Gospels that Jesus said, Abba, my daddy, Papa, father. And when you do that, there's something in you that when you get knocked down, you cry out, Papa, daddy. That's the spirit testifying. It's the same father. It's a tender term. It's an intimate term. It's a, it's a close term. It's like bringing a, a child up alongside of you, and you, you hug them so much as a father that you, the bristles of your beard scrape their chin. Yeah, I'm in my 40s now, and the thing I, I still miss the most is wrestling with my, my Abba, my daddy. My father was young. We used to watch WWF. Anybody else? Hoekster. <laughs> and we'd wrestle in the living room and, of course, I'd try to pin him, and he always, oh, hand up, you know, kind of thing. And we'd wrestle. And my father, I remember the sensation of his beard scratching up against my cheek when I was seven years old. And I'd get up from that. I love that. I love that. My mom would be like, "Dell, you scraped his cheek. I was like, I love it. Because <laughs> I felt the strength. I felt the warmth and the tenderness of my Abba father. That's who God is. And the Bible's like tripping over itself, trying to get us to get this. First John chapter 3, it says this. Listen to this. You see? Do you, you see what great love? The Father has what? Lavished. It means it's extra. It's overflowing. It's extraordinary. It's beyond anything. He's poured this out on you that you should be called what? Children of God, exclamation point. And that is what we are, exclamation point. Some of you abuse exclamation points in your texts and your emails, right? You know that guy who's just like, we're going to Taco Bell, exclamation point. Like, really? We need to celebrate this like that, you know? You abuse exclamation points. The Bible doesn't use a lot of them. And John uses it twice here. He's like, you got to understand the love. It's so big. It's so great. You're children of God. That is what we are. It's who we are. He's basically tripping over himself, trying to share his shock at the extraordinary privilege that you're a daughter of God. Your daddy is, is the creator of the universe. And you've been adopted. He chose you. And that your sins of your past have been wiped clean. There's no punishment in your future. Look what he says. He says, dear friends, now we're children of God. This is just the start. And what we will be has not yet been made known. Wait till you see what's coming. But we know that when Christ appears, what? Say it together, church. We shall be like him, for we will see him as he truly is. Right now, cloudy glasses. (laughs) We got scratches on the lenses. We see through a glass darkly, Paul says. But then we'll see face to face. And then watch this. Because of that, you will become just like Jesus. (laughs) A chip off the old block. Sons and daughters living freely and fully in the Father's love, like, just like our Abba. And when God becomes your Father through faith in Christ, you receive a new identity, guys. You get it, call him a new name, and watch this, you receive a new hope. I'll end with this. John says, all who have this what? Hope in him, purify themselves, just as he is pure. Because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they say, we're not just out here, watch this, when you receive Jesus, we're going to come to live inside of you, inside your heart where we can actually heal the old wounds. And now that we've forgiven you, watch this, we're going to give you power to forgive. You could even forgive your earthly daddy where there's, where there's distance. If you're here today and you're one of the 12% who you're like, man, there's a little bit of a gap. We're a little bit distant from my dad. Guess what? That's where God wants to be. He's like, I would love for you to invite me into that because I can do some miraculous things there. Don't ever project up, whether it was good or bad, your upbringing, your childhood. Instead, project down, guys. As a Christ follower, you project down. You say, I'm going to let my understanding of parenting be defined by the perfect love of my Abba, who is perfectly forgiving. So there is no relationship, guys. I just need you to tell you this. There is no relationship too far gone. Amen? There's no relationship too broken that the power and love of Jesus Christ can't repair and restore and redeem. And so if you're here today and you're like, I don't know that God can can, can do something here. It's just been like this for a long time. Let me tell you something. Do not settle for that. That's a lie. That's saying my Abba can't do it. Just ask Mike Payton of what Abba can do. (laughs) Mike is a man in our congregation. He's here today in our church. His earthly father struggled with alcohol addiction like um, Jack Pearson, Noah, like many men. And for 40 years of Mike's life, he had a broken relationship with his dad who actually lived in Puerto Rico. They were estranged for 40 years, okay? Not really speaking. But a few months ago, God did something pretty miraculous. You guys remember when Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico? Mike's dad lost everything, he actually became homeless. So his only choice was to fly to New Jersey to stay with family. I want you to imagine the awkwardness of this, 40 years. And God gave Mike a second chance with his father this spring. If you're here today, you're one of the 12% who need forgiveness in that family dynamic. Just listen, if you have a broken relationship with your dad needs healing, it is never too late for God to do a miracle. We'll end with this story.
1: When I was young, I really looked forward to spending time with my dad. After like so many years of being let down and not being able to see him, um, with time my heart just grew cold Um, to the point where if I saw him, it mattered. If I didn't, it didn't matter. Not that I didn't love him or care for him, but he wasn't an important part of my life. My relationship with my Heavenly Father, uh, without me knowing it, was, was being affected by my relationship with my dad. I noticed that there was a lot of unforgiveness there, a lot of pain there that uh, I didn't want to deal with. The one thing I said to my wife and I pretty much made a, a, a vow or a pact with God was that I'm going to be the dad I never had. That meant whatever troubles or trials would come our way as a marriage or as a family I wouldn't just walk away. In 2017 uh, my, my dad was diagnosed with uh, a heart condition I wanted to, to make amends for that and at the same time I just uh, prayed that God would save him and I asked if they would want to come visit us uh, for Easter Sunday I thought the answer was going to be no, but um, I, I wanted to make the invite anyway. They showed up, and when Pastor Tim was preaching and, and talking, um, I started seeing how God's presence and God's Spirit was ministering to my dad. An altar call was, was made in regards to those making the decision to be baptized, Like your next step. Right away, he felt moved to take that next step. Pastor Chris found out and he was like, hey, what do you think about baptizing your dad? I was like, this is great. You know, not that I didn't want to do it, but like just one more challenge after the next. Uh, Just like God, like just working on my heart, like it's not enough, just you forgiving him now. I just really thank God for, you know, restoring my relationship with my dad a lot of years this relationship was broken and uh, it wasn't until recently that uh, God restored this relationship and uh, actually it was a result of my dad giving his life to Christ I'm just so thankful that he changed him and he showed him that he's real and he showed him that he could do anything if you just believed and took the next steps. So, Dad, I love you, and it is upon your professional faith Amen. that I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God went from breaking my heart down to me, uh, you know, finding forgiveness for Him, to now Helping him and leading him in his next steps in faith. Never in my life did I think this day would happen. God really does change things. What I would say to someone who has a similar relationship, just leave it in God's hands and uh, keep praying and believing that God can do something because He can.
2: Is that incredible? Can we thank Mike and his father? That's an incredible, incredible story. 40 years of silence, and God brings Mike's dad to New Jersey through a natural disaster. He gives his life to Christ on Easter. He's been sober ever since. That's what God can do. That's what your Abba can do. That's the power of God. It's a supernatural power and forgiveness that can heal a family fracture like this. See, because of Jesus Christ, this is no longer a father and son. These are brothers in Christ. Amen? This is us, guys. That's the power of experiencing God personally as your perfect Abba. He will give you a new hope. He'll give you a new family, a new future, even if you mess up in your family, like Noah did. God can still use you, men. Did you know that? You can. Did you know God put Noah in his hall of fame in spite of his mistakes? I'm serious. In Hebrews 11, there's a hall of fame. I call it kind of the hall of faith. It says, these are all the people that God said, I use powerfully in spite of their mistakes. And here's what it says. It was by faith That Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God and by his faith Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received what? The righteousness that comes by faith. Even with his mistakes and mess ups as a father, Noah still winds up in God's hall of fame. And you can too. Because he wasn't a perfect dad, but he was perfectly forgiven. Amen? It goes to show. God ain't looking for perfect men, but forgiven ones. So I want to close by just praying and thanking God for the men here today. It's Father's Day. And at this campus, at all of our campuses, we've got fathers, we've got grandfathers, stepfathers, we've got new fathers with babies, future fathers to be for some of you. This is a tough assignment, but we are so grateful for you, for the way you slug it out every day, for the sacrifices you make that no one will ever see, for the way you get up when you get knocked down. But I think God brought you here today to say as a father to you, you can do this. God does not need you to be a perfect daddy. That's his role. You become his son by trusting in his son. And Jesus will give you the heart and the strength to love your wife well, raise your kids, and lead your family with integrity. So I want to end by praying for every single man who came to church today. So men, would you just stand up where you are? Only the men, just stand on up, guys. All of our campuses, would you stand up right where you are? Current dads, future dads, young dads, uncles, brothers, granddads. If you're a man, just stand on up, all right? And as the men stand, okay, listen, if you're sitting nearby one, I want you to reach out your hand and just put your hand on him, okay? Not in a weird way, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, just like on his arm, okay, or his shoulder or his back. Some of you are like, grab a man, now we're talking, no, just, okay, <laughs> It's like hand on, all right? I want to pray for the men in this church. This is a prayer of impartation. Here's what that means. When we lay our hands on people and we pray in the name of Jesus, we believe God releases his power, Amen. That healing flows from his Father's heart in heaven. So put your hand on a man. Let's pray for them together. Our Abba who is in heaven, holy is your name. You are perfect. And holy are these men. Each one of these men is made in your image. Each one has been created to be like Christ. So we stand here as beloved sons of the Most High God. And so I ask now, Holy Spirit, would you just flood each one with an overwhelming sense of your lavish love for them? You are their Abba in heaven. Abba, I ask on Father's Day now, reveal your heart. Pour out your power. I ask for an impartation of Abba's strength right now. Where we're weak, would you make us strong, Daddy? Father, flood them with the Spirit's fire. Where we're cold, would you just even warm our hearts right now? Make us tender to our wives and our children. Flood our homes with your forgiveness, God. Let us know our failures are not our final verdict. You are making these men new right now, equipping them for battle. So in Jesus' name, we say bless these men, bless their families, bless their marriages, bless their children, fill their hearts, let them leave a legacy, Father God. When the world sees us, may they see you, Jesus. Today we commit to be just like Jesus, relying on his grace and living for your glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said together. Let's give our Heavenly Father a praise, Liquid Church. Let's all stand. Come on, everybody stand on up. Hug the man around you. Give him a hug or a high five. We're going to worship the Father's house on Father's Day.